time for the SBL shoot around, and we got the women's competition covered with Giants all time great and two time coach of the year, Randy McGill, joining Chris Pike for all the latest news, analysis, and interviews. Let's go on another SBL shoot around. Hello and welcome to episode 18 of Women's SBL Shootaround and it's the lucky last now of 2020, Randy, and there was a long time there where we thought we might be doing these shows when we started without having any basketball to talk about, but as it as it's turned out, we've had 10 weeks of incredible action in the West Coast Classic to discuss and the finals. In the end, I think we got the right two teams to play in the grand final and and probably the, the right team winning the championship in the West Coast Classic. So we've got that to discuss on this week's show. And of course, we'll let everybody know who won our who won the vote count, the very popular vote count for our Bassett Scarf Realty Player of the Year Award. We'll do a full recap of the entire West Coast Classic season. There's a lot to get through. And of course, we've got a very special co-host alongside us who I'll introduce in a second. And... A legendary, another legendary all-time great player as as our guest to finish up the season here on SBL Shootaround. So plenty to get through, Randy. It's a big show to finish off the year, and and rightfully so. How did you enjoy the weekend? Yeah, thanks, Chris. Um, yeah, it was great. It was great to be at the the game for the for the finale, and um, you know, congratulations to the June Light Wolves. They set the pace the whole season, and you know, showed what they were made of on uh, Saturday night. Now, we've kicked things up again now for our last show of the year. We've got a, a special co-host with us, somebody who, well, she's, a, she's played two years in the, in the SBL and she's a two-time All-Star. You don't get much better than that. She might have been the difference for the Warwick Senators if, if she ended up playing in the West Coast Classic, but she decided to step aside and let some of the young girls get a go. She's, of course, the founder of Her Hoops AU, one of our great partners here on SBL Shootaround, Michaela Dyer. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Really excited to be on the show. Thanks for coming in as well. Um, I guess anyone can pick up the phone, but for you to make the effort to come down here and join us for the whole show, it's it's very nice to have you in our Flash studios here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no worries. It's been awesome listening to the show. I think it's great what you guys have been able to accomplish. Um, so, yeah, when I kind of got the message from you to come on, I was, yeah, really excited about doing it. So, really excited. Yeah, thanks for coming in and really, really looking forward to picking your brain about what you've seen this whole West Coast Classic and learning more about her hoops are you and learning more about your basketball journey as we as we go along tonight as well now Randy a very interesting week we put it out to our our listeners to decide who would be our Bassett Scarf Realty Player of the Year award because we couldn't we couldn't decide it in the end it was a very close vote count we got hundreds of votes which was which was great and a little bit surprising to know that so many people are taking us so seriously here on the show in the end, a very, very close vote count, but Stacey Barr ended up with the win and gets a very nice prize as a result, obviously, with the, the Mandurah getaway, thanks to Bassett Scarf. Um, you happy with the winner? Yeah, absolutely. We've spoken about these two girls um, quite a lot and I always knew it was going to be close, you know, in the in the count as well, mm. but the people that voted was just uh, overwhelming and really good to see that that many people have taken interest in that award. It was... Uh, talking point on Saturday night with you know a few people I ran to and also with Josh and Darcy who I who I commentated with so in the end uh, Stacey mm. wins a great award yeah and a big thank you to Josh Gallup and the West's coverage of the grand final for allowing us to 
announced the winner on the broadcast of the grand final that obviously opened up a whole new audience to us so thank you to them for allowing us to do that you're in an interesting position to to judge this this obviously mac you were you had played against stacy the last couple of years you weren't yep. going to be her teammate this year and you've had a a few really good battles with Lakeside and, and Ash Eisenberger, who ended up being the runner-up. Um, do you feel like the the listeners here on SBL Shootaround got got the decision right? Um, yeah, I definitely do. Um, Ash is obviously a great player. Um, she's always tough to play against. Um, I think, obviously, I'm a little bit biased. Having been teammates with Stacey, um, yeah, just in my experience playing against her, she's always so difficult to guard. I mean, she can score from anywhere on the floor. She can obviously shoot it from anywhere, but I think her post game is also really underrated. Yeah, so she can post up guards even though she's not that tall herself. But, yeah, just her ability to score the basketball from anywhere. And, yeah, so I definitely think that the viewers got it right with that one. Probably one of the very first things we spoke about once we started this podcast, Randy, was how excited we were to see Stacey and Mac team up playing at the Senators together. We were just, I mean, the two leading scorers, the two, probably the two best players from the competition last year playing side by side. Didn't quite get to see it. Um, we sorted the blitz very, very briefly. How excited were you to play play with Stacey this year, Mac? Oh, man, I was so excited. Um, obviously, with her winning MVP last year, um, as a point guard, you always want to play with another guard um, who can score the basketball, and I think she would have taken a lot of pressure off of my scoring as well. So I was really excited for that opportunity, and um, yeah, we kind of got a little taste of it in the beginning of the, the season there, and then when they ended up canceling the season, I was pretty gutted with that one. Um, but yeah, even just training with Stacy and the rest of the girls, was awesome but yeah definitely wished that we could have played together that one two kind of spot our very first guest on the show was Dion D'Agostino obviously the coach at, at the Senators and he was so excited even for the West Coast Classic that he was going to have you yeah you playing um we might as well get it out of the way now. Yep. <laughs> what stopped you playing in the West Coast Classic? Um, yeah, so I think at the end of the day, once they canceled the SBL season, first of all, I had to kind of determine if I was going to go home or not um, with all of the COVID happening. So, yeah, I think going into West Coast, I was pretty set on playing. And then a couple weeks beforehand, I just decided it was probably the best time to rest my body after playing heavy minutes down at Slammers last year. Um, and also it was a great opportunity, I think, for me to focus on my business, Her Hoops, and really grow it. And I think if I would have played West Coast, that would have taken away from a bit of the growth. Mm. So um, while I really was looking forward to the SBL season, I think me not playing in West Coast Classic was probably the best decision I could have made for the business. Pretty good answer, Andy. Hard to hard to argue with that. And as we've said, a lot of this West Coast Classic was about developing developing players as well. And I think all of a sudden now the Senders will get to 20, 2021 and they've got they've got Jada Clark and Chloe Forster all of a sudden who are ready to make a real impact in the SBL, probably because of the minutes that they they got to play this year. Yeah, I totally agree. And also you can add uh, Mackenzie Clinch Hoycard yep. in there as well. I think I know they're a different position than, than the girls we spoke about, but uh, she really come on strong towards the end of the season. And, and no doubt, you know, after losing the, um, you know, SBL grand final the previous year, they were pretty primed mm. to go one step further this year. So, but, you know, they got some positives out of, out of the season, that's for sure. Absolutely. So, We'll, we'll, we'll tease our listeners later on and ask you what your plans are for next year, Mac, but also <laughs> to learn more about Her Hoops AU as well. So so stay tuned for that. Now, of course, our special guest as well for this week, Randy. We've been teasing this. We built up to it with, with Stacey Barr and, and then we went to Casey Milo and then we went to to Ali Schwagmeyer, Belgium, last week. And now we're finished, finishing off with Sammy Wickham, 
right in the middle of her playoff run with the Seattle Storm, and she's having some great success. She's on track for a, for a second WNBA championship right now. Couldn't be a better way to finish off the off the show this year. Yeah, we're having some really good sort of timing, I suppose, with some of our mm. guests. You know, we had Stacey, you know, coming off straight off her forty nine point game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, we got Ali just landing in Sydney, and a few other things that have happened during the season. But yeah, there's none bigger than uh, getting Sammy on the show. You had much to do with Sammy. Mac, obviously you just missed playing against her, which might be a good or a bad thing given given yeah. her capabilities. But have you had much much to do with it? Yeah, so just a little story. So my first week or two, I think, um, training with Redbacks in 2018, Sammy was just kind of in the middle of going over to play in the WNBA. And for some reason, um, she ended up training with us okay. for two weeks. So, you know, I was just coming in first, you know, professional job, didn't really know what I was getting into. And then Nixie, who was the coach of the Redbacks at the time, says, hey, you're going to guard Sammy Whitcomb um, for these two weeks in training. And I'm like, uh, OK. So, yeah, so I don't even know if Sammy remembers that. But, yeah, so that was my first um, kind of experience with Sammy. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, she's just a phenomenal player. Um, before she left for the WNBA, um, I had an opportunity to kind of play some pickup mm-hmm. with her, um, which, again, was awesome. Um, she's just, like, next level, I mm-hmm. think. Her work ethic and, yeah, just her yeah, her shooting ability, scoring ability in general um, is just phenomenal. And, yeah, she's a great person as well. When you see somebody like like her and, and like Ali as well, and, and there, there's others that come to play in the SBL and it is almost a kickstart for them to become onto bigger and better things. Does that help in your decision when you are choosing a league to go and play for overseas? Did you look at some of the some of the girls that had come through and succeeded in the SBL and thought, you know, it might be a really good place for me to go? Yeah, definitely. Um, I actually found out about the SBL through Sam Roscoe. Um, We played together in college. um, And so she was kind of like, hey, this is a really great league. And she was playing um, with Allie at the time at Lakeside. Um, And obviously she kind of spoke about Sammy being in the league before that. And so, yeah, just knowing that there are some really good players was obviously super appealing for me. Um, And, yeah, just with them being imports and being Americans and, Mm -hmm. yeah, kind of taking that same track as I did going with the SBL was super encouraging absolutely now Randy let's get on to our West Coast Classic Finals weekend it was a massive weekend and I think it worked out nicely having it all all in one weekend it makes it nice and exciting and it makes it incredibly cutthroat you've got to win through on the Friday night and and then come back to play for the championship the next night if you're lucky enough to win as it turned out both semi-finals weren't quite as probably close as we thought and there was there was reasons for that let's start with the first semi-final up at up at Warwick Stadium, which is where where I was at, I really thought it was a toss of the coin game coming into it. I I couldn't couldn't pick it. I thought the backcourt potentially of the Senators might be their strength, and and the bigs of the Hawks might be might be their strength. And and really, Perilax blew them off the court early on. The Senators were were pretty nervous, very similar to the Grand Final last year, where they got off to a slow start and and could never really recover. And Nat Burden was fantastic for for the Hawks. As we're becoming used to, great support from Maddie Dennis and Sarah Donovan. I thought Annika Rinkham, their captain, was terrific as well, along with Nikita Martin. And I haven't seen a lot of Millie McCarthy play, but as we talked about during the commentary on the night, she she plays out of control a lot of the time, but she's exciting to watch at the same time. And, and she had a really good impact on the game. And, and Kate Williams, the grand final didn't quite go her way, but she hit six three-pointers on the night on her way to 22 points. And yeah, the, the Hawks were just too powerful and, and really too big in the end, which was which was the major difference. 
Yeah, and you have a look at those bench points there, 47 points to, to five, you know, and, and like you say, they blew this game out really early. I did speak to a few people about it, and uh, when uh, the Senators sat in a zone, uh, Kate Williams sort of got a lot of really good looks and yep. just busted that game wide open. So, yeah, both results, you know, the teams wouldn't have been fatigued because no. people were asking me that in the commentary, you know, who's going to be tired or whatever. Both teams had um, their games locked up at, at half time. Yeah, they did. And, yeah, I mean, some, some of the numbers there, the Hawks dominated the rebound account. You know, they shot 52% from three-point land and the Senators went three of 24, which is one of their strengths when they've got, obviously, Stacey Barr on the team. And the depth of the Hawks as well, 47 points off the bench to five. What did you make of that result, Mac? I, don't, I think you were at the other game at the time, but you would have been keeping a close eye on how the Senators were going. What did you What did you think when you, you saw that result? Yeah, I think it was tough. Um, obviously, when the Hawks are rebounding that well, um, it's going to be tough. Um, and then Kate Williams was really just mm-hmm. an X factor. I mean, when you have someone off the bench scoring 20-plus points and hitting that many threes, that's it's probably unexpected. Um, but, yeah, that's tough. And, yeah, in the other game that I, I saw, mm-hmm. yeah, was pretty tough as well. Obviously, the Wolves just have so many different weapons, and Kayla was – you know, phenomenal as always. I think Michaela Barini hit some really big shots. Yep. Um, and yeah, and I also thought that um, Lanisha Padden, who's a really young mm. kid that I played with at Redback, yeah, she she did really well in that game as well. So, which was awesome to see. I didn't realize she was another one of those that significant group that's followed Dixie up to the Redback. Yeah, up, there's up five. The there's five. Not that I'm counting, but <laughs> a really dominant win from the June Light Wolves, 108 to 48 over the Rockingham Flames in the other semi-final at HBF Arena and. And we knew it was going to be tough when Christina Bogue wasn't playing Randy. Um, unfortunately for the Flames, Ariana Hetherington couldn't overcome her ankle injury either. And, and they're probably their, their two starting bigs on their, on their team and their two most experienced players. So against the front court of Steindl and Land, and then add in Williams and, and Haywood and the rest of them there at the Wolves, they unfortunately just couldn't couldn't come close to taking it up to them yeah exactly you know Hetherington and Bogue like you say they're, they're good defenders as well they yeah. fill space well and you know that body strong and that's what they sort of would have needed against Amber and Kayla in the paint missing them was probably significant obviously the result previous Flames got over the top of them they but did, yeah. uh, you know not saying that that would have happened but you know that's that's the difference of 50 point win how different do you feel it could have been if Bogue and Hetherington might have been there for the Flames yeah, I think it would have been a completely different game. Obviously, the Wolves and Rockingham, down in Rockingham, the game went a lot differently with yeah. those two involved. Um, and I think Bogue is so tough inside. She obviously doesn't have that same height, but mm. just her strength and rebounding ability, um, I think, would have really helped them, especially going against Kayla and Amber in that game. So I think it would have – I don't know if it would have changed the result, but I think it definitely would have helped um, the Flames out a lot. So that set up the grand final for Saturday night, the Wolves against the Hawks. Um, obviously, you would have liked to see the Senators there and probably would, wouldn't have minded to see the Redbacks there either. But aside from that, do you feel like the, the right two teams got to the grand final, Mac? Um, yeah, I do. I think that Wolves, um, just from the beginning, was always going to be tough. Um, and I also think that Perry Lakes are always strong. They're really well coached. Um, they pretty much keep that same group together from what I've seen over the last three years. Um, their core group of players, which is always nice um, with chemistry and all that. But yeah, I definitely think that those two teams, especially in the West Coast Classic, definitely some of the strongest out there. What were you thinking going to the grand final, Randy? Did you think the Wolves would be too strong or did you, th- did you give the Hawks a, a real chance? 
Yeah, I'll give the Hawks a chance. I thought, uh, you know, their last uh, two or three games have been really strong. And after seeing what um, the role players, so to speak, in Ramika and McCarthy and Williams had done the night before, I sort of thought there might have been a bit of an X factor as far as someone doing something, even on um, even on the Wolves' side of the yeah. floor too. You know, I was thinking that, uh, you know, Chelsea Belcher could come step up yep. and and uh, have a huge game. It ended up being Alex Haywood. who he was incredible, uh, was really good and Izzy Miotti was yep. really good as well off the bench but getting back to the Hawks um, I, I did give them a chance I think um, they were a little bit played a little bit scared possibly mm. in the first five minutes they were you know 10 points down or I think it was 9 zip 10 yep. zip which was, they yeah. just couldn't bridge that gap and that was really the story of the game wasn't it it was pretty even after that and Nat Burden did her best to try to keep the Hawks in it but they could never really get the get the game back under 10 points yeah, it was a real sort of defensive slog the first half. You know, it was only it was 31 to 20 mm. and the both shooting percentages were quite low. It was just a couple of shots from um, Nasaya Williams and Michaela Prini that sort of kept that gap there. I think, um, you know, the Hawks did have their opportunities, but the defence was fantastic by the Wolves. The, the clock kept running down, mm. you know, under 10 seconds every time and they had to sort of force a shot probably 70, 75% of the time. Yeah. You you were able to catch the game as well, Mac. What did you what did you make of it? Yeah, I think um, yeah, what you guys already touched on is it's just tough um, when you have you know six people out of seven people maybe in double figures yeah. um, for the Wolves. So I think that's just really tough to guard. And they also played pretty good defense as well. Um, but yeah, I think the Hawks maybe just needed a little bit more scoring, um, maybe out of some of their guards. Um, Nat obviously played a really mm. good game. I think she just might have needed a little bit help there um, from the outside. Yeah, I mean, you're right. They, they were planning on playing this season with Nikki Gilday. It's, it, you just can't help but think what 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 they might have looked like if they had some a, a point guard that good running running things for them. Randy, you know, you know what she's capable of. Yeah, well, that's sort of what I mentioned in the commentary. Um, just uh, they just didn't have anyone that was creating, you know, off yeah. the dribble or um, was dynamic was probably the word yep. to set some stuff up. So they were sort of relying a lot on posting up. They couldn't get any looks from outside. I think Maddie Dennis knocked a couple yeah. threes in, you know, midway through the third quarter, yep, and Nikita Martin did too. And that's the players that they really needed to yeah. probably just do a little bit more. Now, obviously, you know some of these Junelot players very well, Mac, especially especially Kayla, especially Nishaya, especially Alex Haywood, especially, well, Michaela Perini. Yep. And the fifth, fifth one would be Patton as well. Yeah. Um, and you know the coach very well. Are you happy for them to get this success, having spent a year with all of those girls plus Nixie and the re- rest of the coaching staff? Yeah. <laughs> the rest of the coaching staff followed Nixie up as well. Yep. Um, were you happy for them? Oh, absolutely. Um, And, you know, 2018 was obviously my first year um, out here, and the girls were just so amazing on that team, Um, just really kind of making me feel welcome, you know, as an import. Um, So I'm actually really good friends with all of those girls still. Um, I talk to them pretty regularly, um, and I talk to the coaching staff um, pretty regularly as well. So I'm definitely happy for them. Um, Yeah, it was awesome for them to see. Um, Obviously, we couldn't get it done in 2018, but, you know, to have a a bunch of those girls – um, be able to do it here in the West Coast Classic was really cool to see. Really happy for Nixie, Randy. He's been through a lot of playoff heartaches. If you go back to when he started coaching in the Mans League, he, he had a couple of playoff series where 
he was a number eight seed and he really pushed the the top teams in in the first round but couldn't quite finish the job went down to the slammers and had a had a really exciting team there but they lost to the to the redbacks who ended up going on to win the championship that year um then he moves on to coach the women and as 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 you both know they lost in that in that semi-final series with two one-point losses to yeah, to, don't bring it up <laughs> against the against the Magic, and then she had such a good team with the Wolves, but well, they lost Steindl, they lost they lost um, Amy Kidner along the way, and and things didn't quite go to plan come playoff time. So he's had a lot of close calls and teams that he thought he could have won a championship with. So. It's nice to see him see him get that reward this year. Yeah, I agree. I think full credit to to Charles. Um, you only had to sort of see, the, you know, the amount of people behind the bench and the mm. girls, and like you spoke about the group. You know, it's not just the playing group; it was all the squad were there. But uh, you know, a lot of people say oh, it'd be easy to coach a team like this, uh, stacked with talent. But it's probably the other way around. It's mm. really difficult to try and blend the talent through to keep everyone happy. Yeah. Um, lots of different dynamics in teams like this. So, yeah, full credit and well-deserved to mm. Charles. Alex Haywood's the one I wanted to ask you about, Max. She, she's played over 200 games in the SBL. She's been a great a great warrior at the Redbacks, but somebody that really doesn't get much recognition. But yeah. she looks like she'd be such a great teammate. She always does, I guess, the dirty work on the on the team. She doesn't always do the stuff that's pretty, but she must be a, she must be amazing to play with. And if anyone deserved a championship, it, it, it must be her. Yeah. Oh, and you touched on it right there. Alex does all the little things. I just remember playing with her and, you know, I would miss a shot or someone else would miss a shot and she's always right there to kind of put it back in or she's always cutting to the right place. She's always setting in screens. It never seems like Alex is doing anything wrong or anything um, to detriment the team. It's always to help. Um, and yeah, she might not have 20 points a game, but she's always really consistent. And yeah, so she's a, a great teammate to have. And yeah, she's an even better person as well. So I'm super happy for for Alex and Kayla Steindl another big game grand final MVP I don't know if she wants to play WNBL but if she wants to play WNBL again are you are you surprised that she hasn't found a home just yet um I think that you know she's obviously had a really big life change um so I think Noah's really her focus at the moment um she obviously has that ability but I think just getting you know into motherhood for the very first time I think that's really her focus and you know just seeing her with Noah is awesome so yeah I'm really happy for her but I think if she wants to play WNBL she'll get back into it eventually it's tricky isn't it because really her only option is to links right now because it's hard to yep. see her leaving Clint behind back here to, to stay playing with the Wildcats and her take take Noah off and, and leave them interstate. You couldn't quite imagine that happening, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I don't think so either. Um, yeah, and I know that they're pretty happy in Perth at the moment. So, um, yeah, so I think with her and Clint and Noah as well being here and they also have a, a dog. Um, so <laughs> I think um, I think at the moment she's just pretty content with uh, with being here in Perth. Very good. Now, Randy, you were part of the commentary team on Saturday night for the grand final as well. You've 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 had some harsh feedback on SBL Shoot Around about not being funny enough. <laughs> you got you got sent out a challenge on Saturday night. Were you able to deliver? Yeah, I was. Um, so I got challenged by a group of friends to bring in a phrase, which is pretty similar to a great commentator called Dennis Committee, <laughs> who used to do it on the football, yep. and they'd give him a phrase like. Uh, Thunderbolts and lightning, very, very frightening. <laughs> he would have to try and get that in his call, and he, you know, would always deliver. Mm-hmm. So my group of friends give me the challenge of um, putting in the phrase, just feels like 
Christmas in Busso. <laughs> so when I got there, I was nervous anyway, calling the game, but um, I eventually got it in there. Uh, I had it sort of planned at half time when the music and the dance girls come out and everything like that. Then I was able to sort of sneak that phrase in just after half time. Now, just to prove that you're not making this up, let's take a listen. Looking at Ryan, you're watching a bit of the game. Uh, has there been much of a response here in the third quarter? No, well, that first play is pretty similar to what we've seen at the start of the game. We've uh, you know, run the clock right down. So, no, oh, it's just good wandering around out there. It's good atmosphere here now, you know. Music's blaring, people are having a good time. It's just like Christmas at Buffet. So, there we go. If anyone doubts the word of Randy Meagle, <laughs> there you go. So, I don't know what Josh Garlop quite made of it, though. Oh, his eyes just about popped out of his head. His jaw dropped onto the bench. I told Darcy, so she just yeah. had a little chuckle. But, uh, yeah, um, Josh's face, facial expression was priceless. Okay, let's keep moving on SBL Shootaround. Coming up after the break, we're going to have a chat to Sammy Wickham. If there's one thing you could learn about her that you'd like to know that you don't know already, Mac, can you think of something off the top of your head? Yeah, I think mine is probably um, not a plain question, but... The WNBA, in my opinion, is the best league in the world, not only for their talent, but also how they, you know, take a stance against social um, injustice. So I guess my question for Sammy would be, what's it like to play in a league that's really at the forefront of social justice in the States? Because, you know, it's really incredible what some of those women are doing. Yeah. So I guess that would be my question for her. Fantastic. Okay, we'll we'll find out an answer to that and a lot more when we come back and we'll speak to Sammy Wickham. Okay, back here now on SBR Shootaround, and and well, this was a dream of ours, obviously, Randy, to to get to get this this superstar on our on our show, and lucky lucky enough, it's actually actually paid off. So no better way to finish off 2020 here on our show than speaking to the superstar herself, who has got quite a bit going on right now. Sammy Wickham, thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Happy to be here. Now, obviously, only a few days ago, you you wrapped up your your quest with the Seattle Storm to reach the WNBA finals once again, but it's been quite a dramatic couple of days since. Where do we find you right now and what have you been had to do the last couple of days? Yeah, so, um, yeah, we swept um, in the semis and made it to the finals again, which is really yeah. exciting. Um, and then I was kind of faced with the difficult um, decision of staying for the finals series and potentially missing the birth of Kate and our first first child um, or leaving at that stage um, just obviously with all of the restrictions and travel issues to get back into um, Australia and then you know in Perth specifically it just sort of um, it was going to be too too risky it was going to be too close to call so yeah Kate and I decided that it was more important obviously for me to be back for that um, so I got on a flight I don't even know I guess a day and a half ago whatever it would be now <laughs> and even that I, I had tried to fly through Perth and the route that I was going to take it, I had booked it on like two separate itineraries. So like mm-hmm. I was going to fly into Singapore and then I had booked a separate flight from Singapore to Perth and I got to the airport and they told me I wasn't allowed to do that. No um, even though they had booked it for me. So that was kind of a, a whole separate saga. And then once they told me I couldn't do that, um, I had to do, uh, I had to rebook and fly through Sydney, which was obviously kind of worst case scenario because it added that two weeks of quarantine to my whole trip. So yeah, so I'll, I'm in Sydney now, I'll two week quarantine here and then I'll fly home to Perth after that. And 
Uh, hopefully I'll do a, a home quarantine, but yep, obviously yep. that sort of remains to be determined. Um, but I will, you know, regardless have to quarantine then. And then, yeah, I guess by the end of, no, uh, excuse me, the end of October, beginning of November, I will be free. And yeah, Kate's due a little bit later in like a couple weeks after that in November, a yeah. week or so after that. So I spoke to Ellie Schwagmar on the show last week and she's in Sydney right now in quarantine as well. Um, mm-hmm. I guess luckily for her, she has her husband with her. Are yeah. you allowed to see anybody for the next two weeks or are you completely alone? No, in your yeah, you can't, you can't see anybody. Um, I actually, I did this before in Perth, um, yep. kind of at the start of everything when I came back from France where I was playing and I had a two-week quarantine there and that was, you know, obviously really difficult then mm. and I'm sure it'll be difficult now. I will say the one difference and advantage that I have where I am now is it's a much larger space and I have like a kitchenette and laundry and it actually has a balcony okay, okay, so I can, yep. um, I can get fresh air, which is massive if um if you've done the the, the hotel quarantines yeah, not absolutely. having the fresh air or like the sunshine and stuff can really really play a play on your mind so this has been a nice upgrade in that regard how hopeful are you that when you get to perth you don't have to do it in a hotel and you can go home to kate that must yeah be- i mean i'm i'm pretty optimistic hopefully it sounds like things are kind of improving and changing in terms of the restrictions yeah, yeah. between new south wales and perth anyways um yeah. and i'm hoping that because i am you know, two-week quarantining here first and then going in. And, um, you know, they have exemptions for compassion, you know, purposes and stuff. Hopefully I would qualify as having mm. a very pregnant wife. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm optimistic. But obviously uh, I know at the end of the day that these restrictions are, you know, there for a reason. So yeah. whatever is, you know, I'll just I'll deal with it as it comes basically. What about in a basketball sense? I don't think anyone in their right mind could argue that you've made the right decision. I think you always have to put family family first, but how hard was it to leave your team just ahead of a finals, finals campaign? Yeah, I mean, if anything, you know, I think this whole year um, with the pandemic and everything has just sort of reminded us of what's important and our priorities. And yeah, obviously sure. basketball is important to me and it's something that I love to do. But um, at the end of the day, like you said, um, family comes first mm. um, and – uh, it wasn't so much the the decision itself that was difficult. Um, I, I knew that that's what I wanted to do. Kate, you know, we we were both in agreement on it. It was very simple in terms of knowing that that's what we wanted to do. It yeah. was just, yeah. you know, obviously it still means that I'm going to leave the team. It still means I'm going to miss the final. So, like, there are still aspects of it that are hard to, um, you know, and, and unfortunate to sort of have to experience as well. Like it sucks. I was in a position to have to choose kind of thing, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it like, it wasn't like a diff. it wasn't like I sat there for two days, three days and was like, Oh, what am I going to do? It was like, this is what I'm doing. Um, we just have to figure out how to make it happen. And then, you know, once the decision's made and you're like, Oh, I'm going to be leaving, you're kind of left with, Oh, well that's sad. You know, like yeah, it is going to yeah. be, it is going to be sad kind of thing. I imagine your club was supportive of it. I would be amazed if they weren't. Yeah, they were. I mean, the team, the organization from top to bottom, everybody was, which made it also, again, an easier decision to move forward with simply because they were very supportive from the beginning in terms of facilitating the flights and helping with the travel and everything um, and just, you know, making sure that I knew that whatever I wanted to do, they they were going to be there for me. And yeah, obviously the girls, they know and love Kate as well and they're all Mm -hmm. really excited for us. So um, they were in full support too. Now, I have no doubt you're going to be watching the final series now very closely. For sure. Will will, will the Storm get the job done? Yeah, I think we will. I think, um, you know, we feel like we have sort of unfinished business from the 2019 year. You know, we won in 2018 and then we lost Stewie and Suda injuries um, and still battled. And I think, you know, 
gained a lot of really great experience for the players that played in th- that following season, but we mm. never felt like we got a chance to sort of defend our title. And um, that's always something that I think teams that win, that's a special opportunity. You want that opportunity to win again. You know, you want that opportunity to defend it. And we didn't, we sort of didn't feel like we got that. And I think, you know, obviously our team isn't exactly the same, but for the most part, that core group is back. And so I, I think it was special in that we wanted to like now get a chance to do that and prove that we were the best team again. And Vegas is a very good team as well. But I, I just think that our experience and our sort of desire to win in these circumstances is hopefully going to be what sort of yeah sets us apart and, and gives us that that victory ultimately. You look like you're such a close team. When you watch your play, the chemistry you look like you've all got looks like it's fantastic. looks like you have a hell of a lot of fun playing with each other um what was the whole experience in the hub like what was it what how how different is the hub experience compared to a, a normal a normal season yeah i mean it's different certainly in that like you are surrounded by all of the other teams mm. and the ref there's no sort of avoiding each other in that yeah. sense you know you're constantly <laughs> walking past each other and yep. seeing each other and so in that regard it's quite different and then even in the sense of you know, being around your teammates, like we, we all do actually hang out a lot. Normally, like when we're in Seattle, we would all go out after games and, and get dinner or, um, on the road, we would do stuff together, um, on our off days, you know, if someone had like lived at an apartment with a pool, we'd go there. Mm. We Like we did lots of things together and really enjoyed it, but it is different when you're sort of stuck in a place and you can't sort of get any of your own time either. So our hangouts were different, I guess, and how we were doing them, the things we were doing because we were so limited in what we could do. So it would literally just be, you know, we'd play cards or we'd sit by the pool. But, you know, there was a lot of just, you know, sometimes everyone just wanted their own space. You Mm. know, we're around each other 24-7 here and sometimes you just want to be alone for a second too and obviously get a little bit of that balance of um, not everything being basketball. So I think it was really hard to, to find that right balance of that and I think because we all are so close we were able to kind of find that balance a bit easier maybe than other teams you know we didn't feel like we had to force you know bonding and team activities in a bubble because sure. we are just close and we are just yeah, friends yeah. and if we want to hang out we will and if we don't that's fine too um but yeah that chemistry that you're speaking to is you know the product of like some of those girls have been playing together for six years you know I've mm. been there now for four years and when I got there there you know a lot of those girls had already been together for a couple of years and yeah so it's it's real it's genuine chemistry it's genuine friendships off the court and respect for each other and i think that is like i said i think it's something that will be and has been a separator for us for sure what about your own season as well you have a look across the board at your your numbers and they're pretty much all up in just about every category this season do you feel like you've been playing some some pretty good good basketball Yeah, I mean, it's still, you know, probably the consistency would still be something that I would like to improve in um, for sure. But yeah, I mean, I think that I, I think I definitely, I really tried to develop my game playing overseas this past year Hmm. and add to it. And I think I was able to do that, you know, this WNBA season. I don't think I was um, as much of a pure, just three point shooter this season. Um, I was doing different things and I was happy with at least that sort of effort on my part to continue to develop and, um, and grow um, with this group. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm still obviously trying to get better and be more consistent in my role with this team. And um, I think, you know, it's good to see that some of the numbers reflect that, I guess. But like I said, I, at the end of the day, I do feel like I, I want to continue to um, to get better in that area. 
you, you've put an enormous amount of work in, so you deserve everything you've got. But do you still sometimes pinch yourself with the fact that if you go back, what, to 2013, you come out to Western Australia as an import for the State League in Rockingham, and now all of a sudden you've played four years in the WNBA and hopefully you're about to become a two-time championship winner. Sometimes do you pinch yourself at how far you've, you've come? I do. I mean, it's hard not to just, you know, even being in the bubble and, you know, being on the team that I'm on with the players that I'm on. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of laugh sometimes even at that, that, you know, mm. Stewie and Sue Bird and those, you know, yeah. those legends, people that I just want watched on TV and idolized and like dreamed of playing against are, you know, teammates and friends yeah, and yeah. Um, people that I have, yeah, like been a part of a championship team with. So it's still... I never take that for granted, mostly because I, I've seen and witnessed now just how hard it is to make a team, to stay on a team, to to play in this league for you know mm -hmm. more than a few years. It's super difficult. Like everyone is incredibly talented, and there are players that get cut that are incredibly talented. Like it's just it is that hard because of the number, the limited number of of teams and and spots. So I, I definitely do still pinch myself, and it is why I do. Like I continue to work really hard in season, in the off season, um, because I, I know that it isn't something that, you know, you can, I, I can take for granted. It can, it's yeah. something that can be, you know, this could be each year. I think this could be my last year. I want to make sure that I get it, give it everything that I have and that I'm proud of my efforts. And I think that that goes a long way in terms of being, a, get having that opportunity to play again the following year, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how much are you looking forward to getting back to Perth? Not only to obviously become become a mother, but also to yeah. play with the with the Perth Lynx again, and a very familiar head coach now with with Ryan taking over. Yeah, I'm super excited to be back. I've been away from Perth for like most of this year. I was only in Perth really for like a month and a half or whatever it was in that yep. interim from France before I went to WNBA. So it's been it's been a long <laughs> kind of a long time mm. away. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to be there for that and then excited to at least see and hear about what you know i still don't really know what the wnba uh l excuse me is going to look like and no, I don't think um, how that how that's going to happen so i'm i'm interested to see yeah what they're gonna what they come up with what they propose how that's going to look and what that would mean for me and stuff like that moving forward so yeah no but definitely very excited to be back home for for the foreseeable future yeah yeah, and like I said, some familiar faces there. Obviously, you know Ryan very well. You know Darcy very well. Um, mm. And a lot of the other girls on the team are locals who you've either played with or with or against at some point. Um, is it nice knowing there's going to be so many, so many people on that team that you know so well? Yeah, I mean, a big part of deciding to, you know, play with them and come back to Perth was one, you know, Ryan becoming the head coach. I have a lot of confidence in him as a coach and obviously I'm familiar with him. And then Darcy and Katie obviously were huge signings and a big part of why I wanted to come to Perth as well, because I just have so much respect for both of them as players, as competitors. And then, yeah, I think it's actually, it's a really exciting group of other players as well. Uh, I remember coaching against Alex Sharp. I think she's mm -hmm. tremendous talent. Alex Chibatoni, um, I love. I think she's an amazing player as well, and I think she's exciting. I think exciting. you'd be amazed how far Taya Burrows has developed as well. Yeah, well, she was here when I was here training before I went to the WNBA, so okay. I got to do yep. some stuff with her. And I've, I, you know, I followed along the sort of the SBL West, whatever. I don't, I'm sorry, yep. I don't yep. actually know the name of whatever it was, right. but 
I saw that she was doing really well in that too. Um, I mean, across the board, yeah, all of those local girls, uh, it's really exciting just to be able to bring them all together and actually get a chance to play in Perth. I know for a lot of them, they'd be excited for that opportunity too. Um, so yeah, I mean, for sure that familiarity and just the, the crop of talent that we're bringing together, I think should be exciting. And I'm just, I'm disappointed, honestly, for, for fans that they won't actually mm. get a chance to, you know, come to game. Yeah. see it and be a part of it in that way. But um, hopefully it's the start of, you know, a core group of, of Perth talent that stays and develops and, um, you know, builds chemistry. And then, you know, moving forward, if the league obviously, you know, goes back to having imports, we can, you know, get some nice pieces to sort of complement the, the group that we have. This is an SBL show, obviously. So I wanted to touch, go right back to when you first came out here to play in the SBL with, with Rockingham when Ryan yeah. brought, brought you out. Um he, he, he always kind of disagrees with me when I put this to him, but I have always felt like if he didn't bring you out here and you didn't get that chance to shine like he did in Rockingham and then that's when everything seemed to kind of open up for you after that, that you never know, you might not have ended up getting to where, to where you have. Do you, do you feel like it's when you got to Rockingham that things all started to click for you or when did you yeah. start to feel WNBA was an actual possibility? Um, I mean, I, to me, WNBA became a possibility after making it in the WNBL and getting yep, that sure. opportunity. Yep. But I completely agree with you that I don't know that the WNBL would have been something that would have happened for me or been a stop along in my career if I hadn't played in the SBL. Yeah, I didn't know sure. about the WNBL. I assume they wouldn't have ha- they wouldn't have known about me. Yeah. They didn't even know about me even after I was playing in <laughs> SBL, you know? So like, yep. I, I, I just, I think I agree. It's always one of the, it's that moment in my life that I look back and I think, because it was actually kind of a fork in the road moment. I, mm. my team had just gotten, we just finished regular season. We made playoffs and we went bankrupt. And so they, mm. we weren't able to play. So I was actually available, but I had started traveling over in Europe and I had I just booked like a month holiday in Greece with one of my teammates. And I was in the middle of like Austria when my agents had emailed me because I had previously told them that I was really interested in playing in the SBL or like in a state league um, in the off season in general. Like I really wanted to go to Australia and just play year round. Um, But they said that because I typically played through like May, it it wasn't going to be, it wouldn't work out scheduling wise. Um, But then obviously I became available in March because my team went bankrupt. Anyways, I was traveling. I got the email saying this team wants you, they need an import. You need to leave like, in a couple of days, do you want to go? And I just remember mm. I was like, I was in like, I had the dodgiest like connection. And I just wrote back <laughs> and said, like, I'm going, I will yeah. find, I'll get back to Germany, basically, like make it happen kind of thing. And yeah, a couple of days later, like I had taken my the train back to Germany, packed my, all of my stuff and flew to, yeah, flew to Perth and mm. went to Rockingham and thought it was the coolest place ever. Um <laughs> And yeah, it was during that season that obviously like girls that I'd played with in SBL had done WNBL stuff or still yep. were. And I remember going to a game and it was Dan and Ong, I'm pretty sure, versus Perth. Mm-hmm. And I just remember seeing Jenna O'Hay play. I'll never forget it. I saw Jenna playing and just the talent and kind of the caliber of the league in general. But I specifically remember seeing Jenna and just thinking, I really, really wanted to play at that level. I really, really wanted to make it in that league. And I mm-hmm. felt like if I could do that, that could hopefully be a bit of a catapult for me into the WNBA. And then, yeah, that's what the next three years became because it took me that long to get anybody interested. I just remember every year Perth 
telling me that they, they wanted a WNBA, but they were adamant they needed a WNBA player. And that wasn't me. And then finally, obviously, when the Wildcats took over and Andy became the coach, I had a pretty good relationship with him through SPL mm-hmm. and some of the things he had done. And, you know, for whatever reason, he was willing to kind of um, take a risk on me with that. And yeah, so I guess, yeah, Ryan bringing me over and, and giving me the opportunity to, you know, try and strive for the WNBL and see the WNBL was one big thing. And then, yeah, the the links um, when the Wildcats took over, picking me up was probably the next really big thing because, mm-hmm. yeah, I just, I think that the WNBL had a lot of great talent and a lot of credibility with a lot of the players that were there uh, in the WNBA. Um, People respected if you played well in the WNBL, people in the WNBA respected that. So I was really fortunate that that was an opportunity that came up for me. I've always been fascinated to get your thoughts on playing against Kate as well, especially when you got to the point where you were in in playoff series and you'd started seeing each other. Um, Yeah. Hated it. Well, terrible. Yeah. I mean, how, how, how hard, how awkward? I don't know. What, what, yeah. what was the experience like? Yeah, it was terrible. I hated it. Mm. Um, we, we beat her in the grand final, whatever year that was. I think that was the year that we went back to back. Yeah, so 2000. Yeah. So whatever the second year was, but that was like I had only really just started to get to know to get to know Kate and to sort of be, you know, like we were sort of in that seeing each other face, but not really. So that one was a lot easier for me. It was really that quarterfinal series the next year where it became. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That first year was still pretty much like, you know, I didn't, I didn't care. I was winning what kind of thing and nothing could (laughs) kind of get in my head. And then, yeah, the next one, I still wanted to win. Like I, I Mm. make fun of me all the time because I cried that whole way home when we lost. It's just, it was really hard for me to like separate the fact that like it was her and yeah. on the other side. So, I mean, I did the best that I could. And uh, I think at the end of the day, you know, we just maybe weren't, we should have been, but we just weren't, weren't um, good enough in that series. And I, mm. I certainly wasn't, but yeah, I definitely, I definitely didn't like it. Like I'm an emotional person in general. So mm-hmm. like, I think having the competitive emotional part and then mm. like the other emotional part hit each other. I just, yeah. I was not equipped to sort of <laughs> um, handle that, I guess, at the time. I still think a lot of people underrate just how good of a basketball player Kate was. Obviously, I've, you know, written a, a lot of stories over the years about her career and she kept yeah. racking, up the, racking up the championships. I think she ended up with, with five all up at, at Willerton and, you know, she was grand final MVP in her in her yeah. last season. She played WNBL yeah. herself as well. Yeah. Um, sometimes you end up comparing resumes and, and see who stacks up the best. Yeah, I mean, look, Kate is better at me in a lot of things. We always talk about this. I mm-hmm. My mid-range game is something that I've, always struggled with and it's something that I've really worked to develop and her she's like that's cash for her that's her mm-hmm. her game um so I've I've really relied on her to try and help me with that which I know is very frustrating for her because <laughs> I'm super stubborn and yep. yeah like it's it's been it's been a hard road for me to try and adapt with some of those things but she also has her IQ is phenomenal as yeah. well and just the way she sees you know she's a point guard so the way she sees the floor and how she sees things unfold is just you know really tremendous as well and I agree I think you know if she she's someone though that has always had a lot of other interests and she's a very curious person she loves Mm. to learn she's very good at other things as well so as much as she loved basketball and was very good and accomplished in it I think for me it was more it was an obsession for me it was all you know it was my everything which you know I think is maybe why I've I've gone further I guess in terms of you know being able to play in the WNBL but 
or a, excuse me. But yeah, I mean, she played in the WNBL and I think, Mm. you know, could have played longer if she wanted to, but she, um, you know, she was a physio for the Richmond football club and has done just like I said, a lot of other things. And it's probably a much more well-rounded person than, than (laughs) I am. I'm sort of just basketball really. So yeah, I think, I think there, you can make comparisons, but it's probably not worthwhile really just because, you know, we just, I think (laughs) she had other interests and, you know, all of that. How excited are you? Oh, I don't want to put words in your mouth. How are you feeling about becoming a mother for the first time? Yeah, really excited. It's something that, um, you know, we've wanted for some time and been working at for some time as Mm -hmm. well. It's obviously not quite as simple for us as it is Mm. for, uh, you know, other couples. So it's been um, a long time coming, really. And it's an emotional journey. um, But we're super thrilled to be at the part of it now where, you know, we're actually going to get to meet him and and kind of start hopefully the the fun or the more fun Mm -hmm. part of it. and yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been, been hard to do this apart because obviously, you know, I, I haven't really been able to be there for her the way I would have liked to throughout mm. this pregnancy. So it was also really special and important for me to be here now for, you know, the birth and, and everything after just because, yeah, I mean, this is, we're really excited to be moms. We're really excited to meet him. And this is obviously going to be like the most, you know, as any, as most parents say, the most kind of exciting adventure that you're going to like go on as, as, um, as partners. We've been talking a little bit about it on the show the last few weeks, thinking about which baby that's due in, in coming up is going to be the the most competitive. There's there's Bree Bree Clastorny and T- Taylor Mullinax are about to have a baby. We've got Deanna oh, Black. Oh, are and, they? Yeah, <laughs> Deanna Black and Steve Black are about. Oh to, yeah, they're they're to very close to ours too. Yeah. yeah, and and now just just recently Ryan's announced that he and Chelsea are about to, to oh, have a baby. Oh, are they? Um, I didn't know that. We're, so we're about excited. to have some very very competitive little basketball players running around, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, ours will be the most competitive for sure, no <laughs> doubt. But <laughs> um, oh, that's so fun! I didn't realize all of those other ones, um, mm. those other couples are. Probably, I knew Deanna was, but that was it. Yeah, that's exciting. I mean, how fun is that though? That there'll be yeah, all these young little products of just crazy basketball competitors that'll grow up and hopefully get a chance to kind of you know do the same thing together. That'll be so fun. Especially with Deanna, she's going to be your assistant coach, obviously at the links. So. Yeah. So your little ones are potentially going to be spending a lot of time together. I mean, hopefully that could be very fun. Yeah. Now, does Perth feel is Perth home now for for you and Kate? Yeah. Obviously, basketball yeah. will take you around the world at different times. But when you settle down and you know decide where to leave, yeah. is, is it going to be Perth? Yeah, we have uh, we have a house in Perth, and mm-hmm. I mean, Kate made that very clear that Perth was going to be home. She wasn't gonna <laughs> she wasn't gonna live in the states. And honestly, I've yeah. I feel more at home in Perth than I do anywhere else. Yep. Um, Seattle probably is my second home, but that's mm-hmm. not even where I'm from. Yeah, um, that's just where I went to to school, and obviously where I play now. But yeah, Perth is look, it's a tough place to beat. I know so many people that come and visit or come and play basketball. Um, or whatever it is, and they all want to stay, and a lot of them do. So mm-hmm. I feel very lucky that I have found a partner that lives in a place that you know feels like home as well. Yeah, no, fantastic. Um, just finally, obviously, Randy Meagle, he's my co-host on this show. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. he couldn't join us. What are your memories of playing against his Mandurah Magic teams? Back oh, in, they're back just the so annoying because they're just so <laughs> physical. They're yep. so tough. Yep. Um, you know, they just ma- they're scrappy. They're mm-hmm. blue collar players. Obviously, a lot of them are very talented as well. Sure. Like Milo is, you know, a phenomenal player. 
But yeah, I just think you just know it's going to be a battle, like an absolute mm-hmm. battle for everything. They go for rebounds, they hustle for all the plays, all of those things. And they were always one of those teams that, you know, every basket, every whatever, they, they were up. They were up and about celebrating for each other, loud and obnoxious. It was always a team that you felt like, you know, you'd probably love to be a part of, but you hated playing again. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And that always seemed to be the culture of Mandred in my limited time. And then certainly when I, when people would speak about them, yep. you know, who had been around and stuff, that was always kind of the, um, the sentiment of just like, Oh, we've got to play Mandra. <laughs> um, yeah. cause you just knew it was going to be tough. So, which I think is, you know, probably a credit to, you know, coaches like Randy and stuff for sure. Yeah. I think everyone talks about how they don't come away with any more bruises than they do when they play against that Mandra team. Yeah, totally. Uh, just one one more question quickly. We had Michaela Dyer join us on the show this week as well as our oh, yeah. as, as our co-host, and I think you've had a little bit to do with her. And I think she said when you come back, you'll help her out a little bit with her her hoops. Are you program as well? Yeah. Um, she wanted to talk talk about the WNBA though, and not only is it a great basketball league, but it's a it's a it's a league where the players and everyone involved are prepared to stand up for social issues and prepared to try to make make things better in a lot of ways. Is that something she wanted to know? Is that something that makes you proud to be part of a league that is willing to, I guess, stand up and try to make a difference? Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, it was a big part of why any of us decided to participate in the season this year because hmm. it was a big commitment from a lot of people to commit to going to this bubble and to be to play and do what we did to our bodies as well because it was a lot of games in a shorter amount of time and it was physically taxing it was mentally taxing but knowing that we were doing it for a much larger purpose and that we were using our platform and a platform that would have been way less influential if we weren't on TV playing Absolutely. these games yep. if we weren't able to wear the shirts that said say her name or that said Brianna Taylor's name on the back of our jerseys. We weren't able to call attention to the importance of voting at timeouts and at post-game interviews and pre-game interviews. You know, our platform was very much, you know, relied on us playing. It, It just did at the end of the day. We're not, we don't carry the same sort of weight as someone like LeBron James does who if he had decided not to play this year, he, well, he's still LeBron James. He's still mm-hmm. going to be able, he's still going to be someone people listen to. Right. Um, so for us, we felt like it was really important to, to go and be together in this one area and to really unite and to come up with ways that we felt like we could be influential and impactful. And I'm really, really proud of what we've done and the ways that we followed through with that commitment as well. Obviously, you know, it, no one's, no one's content with, with what we've done and we're still, very much fighting for justice for Brianna Taylor and for so many others. But, you know, I think, I think, you know, you just, it's day by day and it's step by step. There's not one thing that you can do to end racism. There's not one thing that you can do to, to bring equality to everybody. But if you're not willing to do these little things, if you're not willing to commit to the cause and to try, however small it might be, you know, I think that's, that's, that was sort of our approach. Didn't matter how small these things felt. They were, they were steps. They were things that we were doing to try and actively make a difference. And I think at the end of the day, we did that. And I know they'll continue to do that during the championship series. And I'm, yeah, I'm really proud of what we, what we, what we did. No, absolutely. Very, very well said. And I think that's a, that's a nice way to, to wrap it up. So I really appreciate you giving us so much of your time here on SBL Shoot Around. And I mean, I, I remember seeing you for the first time when you came out to start at Rockingham, watching you flourish in the SBL, get your chance in the WNBL, and now follow you in the WNBA. It's been an absolute thrill to, to follow you, and you know, you've know you given me a little bit of time and help along the way, which I always appreciate. So uh, 
And you've got a, a lot coming up. So I hope you get another yeah. championship. I hope the baby goes well. I hope you get through quarantine well. And yep. I think we're, we're all looking forward to you pulling on that link singlet again. So thanks awesome. very much for joining us. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate it. Okay, back here on SBR Shoot Around, Randy, and it's, eight, it's taken us 18 weeks. It's 18 weeks in the making, and let's hope that we finished off off on a on a high note with, with Sammy Wickham. As somebody that coached against her in, in big games, you, you said it before, actually. She didn't give you too many nightmares, but whoever was guarding, <laughs> whoever was guarding her, you have no doubt they had no sleep the night before. Oh, absolutely. We had Rachel Aline earlier in the year and she was the number one, our number one defender that went to her all the time. And, you know, she would do a good job, but uh, she just had uh, the ability to score, you know, heavy points in, in, you know, two or three minutes. She could have, you know, 12 or 15 points. But uh, I was just lucky to have the best seat in the house and <laughs> be able to watch her, you know, play. Mac, what's it like knowing that somebody can come out here as an import to play in the SBL? But then not only make the jump to play WNBL, but then make that extra jump to play WNBA and to even play for Australia now. What's it What's it like knowing that that's actually possible for somebody that comes out here as, as an import? Yeah, I think it's incredible. I think it just, you know, gives imports lots of hope that, you know, just because they don't make it straight away, maybe they don't get drafted straight away out of college, but it's definitely possible. Um, and I think Sammy has just shown that whatever path you take, you know, it's not the end of the road necessarily if you just like work hard. Um, so yeah, it's really a credit to the league as well. Obviously, she's been really successful and it's created a good pathway for her to play for the Lynx and then onto the WNBA. So it's pretty cool. I feel sorry for Kate sometimes. She gets forgotten about that she was a great player in her own right. I don't think you quite got to play against her, Mac. Did you just miss the end of Kate's playing career? Yeah, I didn't get to play against um, either one of them, fortunately. Mm. So, um, yeah, so, but yeah, Kate, I've heard lots of um, stories about her as well. I think it's it's pretty awesome that they got to play against each other um, in a grand final as well. So, yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, fantastic for Sammy Wickham to join us on SBL Shoot Around in the middle of a WNBA playoff playoff run, Randy. So, yeah, I think we've finished off on a good note for this year. Um, we're leaving ourselves a lot to live up to next year if we come back. Yeah, well, where do we go? <laughs> I mean... Uh... Well, well, Charles Dix already has booked himself in for our first show of next year. <laughs> he was very quick to do that after the game on Saturday night. Yeah, that's fair enough too. Now, we want to wrap up everything that we've seen in the West Coast Classic as well because I think it's been been a credit that we've been able to get such a high-quality competition going, really, that's come out of the, the ruins of what COVID-19 caused and there's the potential to have no basketball season at all at some point and for the, to get the 10 weeks that we have has been, has been fantastic. And I think what best highlights just how good the basketball is that we've seen is the leaderboard that we've ended up with for the Bassett Scarf Realty Player of the Year Award, Randy. And as we know, Stacey Barr ended up winning the vote after being tied with Ash Eisenbarger. But just take a take a look at this leaderboard that we had. And the quality players that we had in this league was incredible. So we had Kayla Steindl from the Wolves, Jesse Edwards from the Suns, Taya Burrows from the, from the Flames. They've all either played or will be playing WNBL in the upcoming coming season. Obviously, Nat Burden will be as well. She's, she ended up just one vote off the lead. Maddie Allen is playing, obviously, again at the Perth Lynx this upcoming season. Jess Jenkins, which we'll, I'm sure we'll get to at some point 
Mac as well. She had a terrific season for the Redbacks. Christina Bogue, obviously we know what a difference she makes for the Rockingham Flames, and, and she's now going off to prepare for another WNBL season. Bree Fisher, a, a rising star at the Eagles. Mackenzie Clinch-Hoycard looks to have an enormous future at the Senators. Jewel Williams, another one who's spent time in the WNBL. Paris Duffield became a real key player for the Flames. Olivia Bassett-Scarf had to do a lot of heavy lifting for the, the Mandurah Magic. Imogen Aleph, to me, is another one that's got a WNBL future, and potentially Brooke Malone as well, and and there's probably 10, 15, 20 other players that deserve recognition. I mean, you, someone like Amber Land isn't even even on, on that list, and there's a lot of others, but if you have a have a look at that list, that's a that's a high quality list group of players. It is. It's uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, and it is. And uh, you know, you mentioned Amber. There's also Sarah Donovan. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's just class all the way through that list. And um, I think if I had my time over again, I'd like to do a five, four, three, two, one because there were so many girls that mm-hmm. were unlucky not to get a vote. Mm. Yeah, it's a, yeah. I think that's a good idea for next year potentially, just to give more recognition across the board. Um, that would have been a tough group to play against if you did play this year, Mac. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, over half of that list are WNBL or yeah. previously have played in the WNBL. So um, as an import, it's awesome to come in and play against um, girls and play with girls of that caliber. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really exciting um, just for the future, um, 2021. Hopefully most of those girls come back in the league and get a chance to compete against and with some of them. If you had to pick one of those one of those players that you would enjoy going to battle against for forty minutes, who would it be? Um, I'm gonna have to say Jess Jenkins. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. I actually wouldn't. Um, but yeah, um, I think a really good player on that list is Taya Burrows. Um, just playing at the point guard spot. Um, she's super talented, and obviously she's very young. But yeah, I think she's gonna have a really breakout season for the Lynx. And I think also in 2021, she's gonna make a, a run at that All Star five for sure. Absolutely. And JJ would just turn it into a into a brawl, wouldn't she? <laughs> she? She would just be putting you on your on on your back all the time. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. I definitely don't want to be driving into the paint um, when she's in there. Um, yep. Now, of course, the Player of the Year award, Randy, was made possible thanks to your friends at Bassett Scarf Realty, and not only were they great supporters of ours all season, but they provided a an incredible major prize for our winner, which ended up going to to Stacey Barr, the Taste of Mandurah Getaway Package, which will include the one-night stay for two at the Siebel in Mandurah, the the, di- the dinner for two at the Catch-22 Tappers and Cocktail Lounge, and the Dolphin and Scenic Marine Cruise for two. Um, very lucky, Stacey. Yeah, that's um, a great award, um, you know, and uh, hopefully we can back it up if we continue on next year and maybe even do, do something a little better, you know, but uh, mm. that's, um, you know, particularly the weather that's, you know, coming up. That'll be a, be a great weekend down there, particularly the Dolphin and Scenic Marine Cruise, which I've been on myself, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just really relaxing just sitting back and, and uh, watching them. Now, Mac, all JJ had to do was get two more votes. Did you mention that to her at all during the year? Um, yes, I did. Going into the final <laughs> round, um, when they were playing against Lakeside, mm-hmm. I said, you know what, we need a 30-point game, then we can get that award. And, you know, then she ran into Ash, and obviously mm-hmm. they really struggled that last game. Um, but she's definitely aware um, that we could have potentially <laughs> won that. Um, so, <laughs> no, but, yeah, she's been playing an incredible season. Um, so I think it just was tough um, coming up against Lakeside um, in that final game for them. It was. That was <laughs> It was a disappointing night. Obviously, I was helping out the Redbacks this year with some some work as well, and got along to that game and was 
looking forward to seeing them put themselves in a good spot to make the playoffs the next week, but it didn't quite come close to happening, <laughs> un- unfortunately. Now, our other great partners, aside from Her Hoops AU, of course, Randy, which we will get to shortly, Wandering Distillery made our Play of the Week awards possible as well, and and I, I handed off Kayla Steindl's to her after the grand final on Saturday night, and she was very happy and she was very keen to, to head off and get her and Clint some some, some gin from Wandering, Wandering Distillery. So she was very excited about that. But take a look at our Player of the Week winners as well. And we had Stacey Barr, Jess Jenkins, Bree Fisher, Taya Burrows, Maddie Allen, Christina Bogue, Ash Eisenberger, Kayla Steindl and Jesse Edwards. Um, nine players there. That's almost a... You'd be happy with that being your WNBL squad if you were putting one together. Yeah, you would. <clears throat> and hopefully those girls um, make the effort to go down and, you know, see uh, the boys down at the Wandering Distillery. Like the weather's changing. Mm-hmm. Beautiful um, area. And, um, uh, I've lost words, mate. You might have to cut that one That's out. right. You can start again. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so hopefully the girls go down and say g'day, you know, and they can go down and see Wade and thank him very much for the support that he's given the the whole competition throughout the year. Yeah, it's been fantastic. And I know everyone that's received their awards has really appreciated it, especially Jess. Have have you used your voucher yet, Mac? No, we, um, we're just waiting Saving for, it for the, summer. Yeah, just waiting idea. for that weather yeah. to get a bit better. So, yeah, I think it would be really nice. I'm not sure if she's going to share it with me at all, but, um, yeah, I know somebody will enjoy it. <laughs> very good, very good. Now, let's take a run through the teams in the West Coast Classic, Randy and, and Mac, and, and see how we thought they shaped up. Do you want to start at the top or the bottom? Um, I think we might start at the bottom, eh? Right. I mean, we've spoken so much about the teams at the top, the the teams down the bottom probably haven't had the mm. uh, you know exposure and opportunity to for us to talk about. So, should we just do one team each, or what do you want to do? Well, that, that, let's have a look at it. The Southwest Slammers, they lost Mac and they went zero of eleven. Is that any coincidence? <laughs> uh, no comment. But <laughs> I, will, I will say this. I mean, I did. Um, I did like the fact that when you looked on the score sheet quite regularly, there was a lot of different names. Um, so the coaching staff down there have exposed a lot of those young girls to um, the league mm-hmm. and you know what they need to do to get better. And um, I think that's a, a positive for them. I know they probably wouldn't be happy with zero and eleven, but um, they'll be looking at the positive side of it. I think they used twenty-five players during the whole competition, so a lot of players. Got got some some core time. Um, obviously, once they lost their imports, and they also had a couple of other other recruits. I know that they'd had they had Vanessa Michael, who was going to be playing as well, and they had a I think it was, it was Tia Charlton, who was, had come across from New Zealand, who was going to be playing as well. So those four in that team would have made a massive difference. As it turned out, they basically had a group of teenagers. Um, I think Nathan Grover did what he could with what he had, um, and all of those girls that he blooded will be better for the experience. Mac. Um, there's probably times when you looked at the score and felt a little bit sorry for them, though. Um, yeah, and look, yeah, it's it's kind of tough when you do rely um, a lot on your imports. Um, with them, you know, being down there in the southwest was not with not as many locals, um, you know, to pick from. But at the same time, I think it was an awesome opportunity for some of those young kids, mm-hmm. um, like Zaya Black and Sky Palmer, Javine Fitch, um, all of which that I had an opportunity to play with. Um, just really kind of get a crack at playing in the SBL, and I think that they're going to be some really good players um, down the line for the Slammer. So it was awesome to see them um, putting up some decent numbers um, in a few games. The East Perth Eagles went 1-10 and 10 
which probably suggests that they hadn't improved on the last two years. But I think we both agree, Randy, that they actually took some some significant steps forward. I think Aaron Fisher has now become a really quality senior player. Um, Bree Fisher as well. We saw we saw some other girls really really step up as up as up as well and just become more experienced. And I certainly don't think they're going to be the pushovers moving forward as we as we saw before. And Hannah Rose Gillies in the last couple of rounds was one that really stood out. Yeah, that's the the girl that I mentioned a few times. And yeah, I agree with you. You know, different uh, culture there now. I suppose in one way with Blake coming in to take over as head coach, and you know they had a. Um, they got more and more consistent as the season went on. Once they got Erin, uh, I think, in there regularly, it sort of given a bit of stability. She decided not to go to college and stay here and work on a game, and which has, you know, helped East Perth. So once they add their little bits and pieces to it, you know, they'll have a look at it and uh, bring in the imports that they need, or they might even recruit locally, get yeah. some more size or something like that. So yeah, no, they've done really well. They haven't been that competitive the last two years. You've been playing. But did you see some signs from them this year that they're heading in the right in the right direction? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that they were competitive in a lot of games. Like you said, they have some young players like Aaron Fisher and I think her sister Bree as well. Um, they're they're going to be really good players as well, and they're just starting to come into their own. And I think um, having Blake there is going to help them out a lot with kind of changing their culture there at East Perth. So yeah, it should be exciting for them um, once they add a few more pieces down the line. It was always going to be a tough year as well for the Mandra Magic Grandy when. We knew that that Carly Bogue wasn't going to make it back. They would have no imports. Casey Milo wouldn't be playing. Emma Clastorny wouldn't be playing. Bree Clastorny wouldn't be playing. And it turned out that way. Two and nine, and and they as, as the, probably as the longer the season went, they they struggled a bit a bit more and more as well. Yeah, they just probably struggled a little bit for you know consistency. And it's not easy for me to go and watch that you mm-hmm. know because I I know all those girls. Yep. But you know we look at the positives of of what they've done too, and they've blooded some mm-hmm. so, you know, some younger kids. I think the older girls were probably um, playing maybe a little bit out of position. Yep. You know, so that was to help their game as well. You know, Liv Bassett Scarf, she sort of battled hard against the, the bigger girls and she got some experience for that. I know my daughter Casey, she was put in the point guard role and she done a really good job there to, you know, learn a completely different position and give her confidence moving forward. You know, Rachel Pettit was good in a few games where she was able to, you know, get a lot of shots off more so than when, you know, if they had the senior girls there. Mm. So I think they will strengthen up once they get a few of those girls back again and you know if if they can get Carly Bogue back again that'll be a, a real plus just just needs needed some size I think we'll keep moving Coburn Cougars they finished three and eight but I think they're one team that would have been really excited by what they produced I think they found some players Tia Morgan was one that that we were impressed with as the as the season season un, un, unfolded Randy especially yeah, I think I think under the new coach with Tyrone Thwaites there, obviously, I think it's an exciting future for the Cougars if they can add a couple of pieces next year. Yeah, I, I like what I've seen here in the in the couple of games I watched as well, and really impressed with Tia Morgan. She's really well balanced. She's a good size, um, sees the floor well. So you know, and we didn't see Ruby Ben. I'm not no, too sh- no. sure what happened there. So if those two girls do get the opportunity to play in the backcourt, that'll make them. And Jesse Cooper was another one who went away to college who could have had a big impact too. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And you know, with Jodie Sante and uh, Matilda Muir and a couple of those yeah. experienced girls, if they had a a taller, stronger a lady in there which I think they may have mm-hmm. had I think they'll be knocking on the door for the finals next season Do you see much of the Cougars? Um, no not that much um, but yeah I think 
like Randy said, they're just a tough team. Um, they've got a lot of young kids coming up. Um, I always have a tough time playing against Coburn myself, um, just their style of play. And defensively, I feel like they're they're always pretty tough. So, yeah, I think adding a few more pieces and a little bit more size, I think they'll they'll be all right for next year. Wilden Tigers went four and seven. I feel like they really took this chance to blood their, their younger players, Randy, without the imports. And I think they, they built some things for the future, which is probably what Simon Parker was hoping to get out of, get out of the year. Yeah, I think um, when you looked at their minutes, they were all pretty spread across, you know, 20, 25. So they all got a really good spread. You know, we've seen young young counsel who's shown a lot, uh, Imogen Ailiff. And there was another young girl that her name escapes me at the moment, but uh, she was really good. And then you sort of had the, those middle-aged girls in Des Kelly and Emma Gandini and Hayley Winter and these girls that have been around for a while who, you know, have built a real solid core. I think the key to them is just to, is to get the right imports to come in and uh, work with those girls. Sophie Duran, Randy too, she was another one that showed some yeah, that, exciting signs. Yeah, that was the girl. Get your thoughts on this team, Mac. You saw them very closely. The Perth Redbacks went 6-5 and five up until the last round. Still a good chance to make the playoffs if some luck went their way. Yep. Um, Maddie Allen and Jess Jenkins were enormous all season. Danielle Lipscomb then held together a very young backcourt. But, you know, I think I think Bride Bailey was exciting. Brooke Malone was exciting. Some really good signs considering how, how young the team was outside of the two the two bigs. Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, their strength was inside. Um, with the addition of Maddie, she's not that big of a scorer, but I think just her presence defensively and also her ability to pass the ball. I'm not sure if she ended up leading the league in assists, but I think as a she five, for the whole season. yeah, I think as a five, that's pretty incredible. Um, so to have her inside is obviously going to be a really big help. But like you said, they have some really good young kids. Mm. Um, so I think if they add, you know, maybe one or two more pieces um, in their backcourt with maybe a little bit more experience. I think that they should have a really good chance at the finals for next year. Yeah, I think Craig Allen's doing a, doing a good job. You take out that last game, and I think they would have been really happy with with their season. Now, another team that only missed out by one game, Calamander Eastern Suns. Obviously, Jesse Edwards and Jewel Williams were a big part of that team, but you know they had some other good players that stepped up as well. And I th- obviously now that they're looking for a new coach, unfortunately, with what's happened with with Tom Knowles, but. I think they had a really good season, Randy. Yeah, I do too. And they play an exciting brand of basketball. You know, sometimes it, it might may not work. I mean, mm-hmm. they're, they're up and down the floor. They get some shots up. But uh, just the presence of Jesse Edwards in there gives them a, a defensive person that can fill the paint and good rebounder, good targeting offense. Um, Jill Williams has always been an exciting player. Mm-hmm. And they got the bits and pieces around it. They got Matroni as, yeah. as their captain. Um, we spoke about Paige Harris yeah. uh, coming off the bench. Alicia Knowles. That's had some big games. Alicia Noel had you know a couple of huge games, and she can. She might not want to stay there though now. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one, isn't it? it is. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting watch that space with uh, one with 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 Elise. But I think positive result for Kalamunda. Lakeside Lightning. They're in the top four pretty much the whole season. Just missed out by by one game in the end. But you know, again, they're well led by Ash Eisenberger, Courtney. Courtney Mansfield and and Elise Ironmonger, but gee, some of the some of their young guys, including Kira Daniels, was really exciting. Um, you saw the best of them too in that last round, Mac. What did you what did you make of what you saw from Lakeside? Yeah, so that was the only game that I had an opportunity to really watch them closely, and obviously, just from the beginning of that game, it just was yeah it. 
it was an awesome game for Lakeside. Obviously not so much for Redbacks. Um, but, yeah, I think that they can just shoot the ball so well from the outside, and they have so many different weapons um, who can shoot the ball at that high clip and obviously being led by Ash and Courtney, um, who are on that championship team, um, I think is really huge for them. So, yeah, they just missed the mark on finals, obviously. But, yeah, I think they had a really strong West Coast Classic season as well. Yeah, the top four teams. Rocking and Flames, they they were still a chance to finish top two heading into the last round. And then, as we've talked about earlier, you take out Hetherington and Bogan, it makes a big difference. But you still, you take out those two players and they're an incredible young young team the whole way through. I think for Keegan Crawford, Randy, they would take a hell of a lot out of this just for the fact that most of the team was teenagers who got some great experience. Yeah, well, Keegan would have been really able to get his teeth into this team and mm-hmm. put his own brand of how he wanted to play. And, you know, it would have been different than the squad that he had that won the grand final with so much um, experience. He would have had to really probably change his game style a little bit. They were a little bit smaller, really. Mm-hmm. only had Bogus there, sort of focal point as a big in offence. But... Uh, I watched them down in Mandurah and yeah, they they they're really well drilled and you know there's there's there is a lot of talent there with the with the younger girls. I'll stick with you for this one too, Randy. The Perry Lakes Hawks they ended up making the grand final. They finished the season with an eight and three record. They did it with a pretty much a group of group of locals as well, um, without the two imports that they would have had for the season if it was an SBL season. Just just because of that, and I think Deanna Deanna Black. While under duress at times during the season, I think she did a fantastic job. Yeah, well, Michaela mentioned how well coached they are, yeah. and um, you've seen that even on Saturday night. You know, I thought their their defense in the first um, half was really good to keep you know a really uh, high scoring team in the Wolves to thirty one yeah. points. I think moving forward, you know, they just needed to add a dynamic player, which yeah. they did have in Nikki Gilday, Absolutely. and and that and that would just balance this team out really well. So I've no doubt that they'll be around the top four again. Mm. Uh, come next season. What did you make of the season for the Senators, Mac? If you take out Stacey, Nicole, Geordie St. Joran and Taylor Hepburn, of course, um, it's such a young team. I mean, we have a look at Jada Clark and Chloe Forster and, and Mackenzie Clinch-Hoycard, who played big minutes while still being so young. You'd have to be positive if you're, if you're Dion and the Senators about what you saw. Definitely. Um, yeah, th- those three young kids, um, Mackenzie, Jada, and Chloe, they just work so hard, and they have in the off season as well, and I got to see that firsthand. So for them to have the opportunity that they did during this season um, was really awesome for myself to see, and I know Dion would be really happy with them as well. Um, I think Mackenzie especially, um, she's got a real shot at making a WNBL mm-hmm. squad really, really soon. And yeah, just her ability to stretch the floor. Um, she's also a really good rebounder. She had some really big breakout games um, for the Senators. So I'm really looking forward to see what those three young ones are going to do in a few years' time. Yeah, great to hear you say that. We've we felt similarly from what we've seen from from Mackenzie this season as well. So great to hear somebody with your your pedigree back us up as well. Yep. And we've got the Joondalup Wolves. From the moment we saw the squad that they had for this West Coast Classic, Randy, I think we felt like they were the team to beat. We had Des Kelly join us on the show and say that really their competition to lose and they should have been disappointed if they didn't win it. Well, they ended up winning it and, you know, it's easy to see why because every position they've got a genuine genuine backup, really. They, they go 10 deep legitimately when you've got Kayla Steindl and Amber Land up front. You've got Australia Williams, Alex Haywood, and and Isabel Biotti in the in the other forward spots and then in, in the backcourt you had Shani Caldwell for most of the season and then you've and then you've still obviously got Chelsea Belcher and Georgia Dennehy and Michaela Perini and 
and you've got some other exciting players backing him up too, like a Lanisha Patton and a few others there. They they probably went more than twelve deep in the end. They had such a such a strong, talented group that they probably should have won this competition. But that doesn't mean you always will. So they did a good job to actually live up to those expectations. Yeah, that's why it's a good shout out to Charles Nix for what he done to keep those girls focused. And you could tell, tell right from the word go that that's what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. They wanted to to win this and. Uh, there's no doubt about Kayla Steindl, like we're, we're mentioning her, you know, in this group here, but she is a class yeah. player, you know. I think she would have given that player of the year a real nudge if she decided to play 30 or 35 minutes yeah. a game. Her efficiency is is unreal, and some of the uh, things you've seen her do there in the grand final on Saturday night yeah. were, you know, were really, really classy. Did you feel like they were the best team in this competition, Mac? Yeah, I definitely did. Um they definitely go 12 deep, maybe even 13 deep at yeah, some times. Yeah. Um, so that's always amazing to have um, in a team. And so they don't have to rely on, uh, you know, somebody playing 30 minutes. Mm. You know, I think there was a game Kayla had 20 points in like 12 minutes, <laughs> which is crazy. Um, so, you know, when you have that, it's, it's yeah, it's really good for Nixie, obviously. Um, and, yeah, so it's – I think it definitely was their competition to mm. lose. Yeah, I think so too. So – I think that pretty much wraps up the West Coast Classic for us, Randy. So we'll take a break on SBR Studio, and when we come back, we'll put Michaela Dyer under the microscope and learn more about her hoops AU, and then we'll wrap up for 2020. Okay, back on SBR Studio Round, and this is our very last segment of the year, Randy, and it's a little bit, a little bit sad to think that you know, 18, 18 episodes later after we started walking into the great unknown that it's now all, almost over but we couldn't be finishing with a, a better person to join us here in the studio and Michaela Dyer obviously from Her Hoops AU. Before we get onto your basketball journey Mac, um, talk to me about why you wanted to start up Her Hoops AU and how it all came about. So um, when you first come out as an import um, they kind of give you, you know, random coaching jobs to do. So that's, I guess that's the first time I really kind of realized that I was passionate about coaching. And I think, you know, just being able to give girls an opportunity that I wish I would have had when I was younger, um, was really my main reason for starting up her hoops, um, back in the States, we have opportunities to kind of go to college camps um, over the summer. And I just remember going to a camp um, in my home state of Wisconsin and all of the, you know, women's players from the college team were our camp coaches and we got to actually interact with them and get to know them a little bit more um, than their on-court kind of personas. And I just remember those times being the best as a young kid, you know, having people that you look up to who look like you, um, who have been in your shoes, um, just being able to learn from them was awesome and I kind of always you know thought why can't I have this all the time um, why does it just kind of have to be in a summer camp sort of setting so I think when I you know I obviously had the opportunity to coach a bunch of girls here in my first year in 2018 um, and then I had a parent kind of suggest to me that I start a program and at first I didn't really think a whole lot of it um, but yeah here we are about two years later and now we've got a pretty good business going and yeah I'm really happy with it mm. so it's been exciting for sure. I feel like there's a lot of programs that are set up that are boys only that are, that, are, that are doing a great job and probably ones that are set up for boys and girls, but I don't think there's many, if any, that are set up just for girls like you set up. Is that Was it a, an area that you really felt like was, was lacking? Is that why you, why you thought it was an area that you might like to focus on? Yeah, um, 
I think just over experiencing even, you know, when I was a kid, there would always be maybe like 40 boys. And then, you know, for me, I'd be like one of the five <laughs> girls. Yeah. Um, and for me, that was fine because I like playing against the boys. But I know there's lots of other girls who can kind of be intimidated in those settings. Um, and all of those programs for boys and that are mixed are obviously amazing as well. Um, and I just really, you know, kind of wanted to focus in on the girls. And it's really a niche market. There's not a whole lot of, you know, people doing it. But at the same time, I thought it would be awesome to have a completely coached and developed um, program entirely by women. And I've been really fortunate to have some amazing players. I think pretty much everybody on that player of the week list has done something with our program. Um, so I've been really fortunate to have some amazing people work with the girls. And yeah, so that was kind of my viewpoint on starting her hoop. Are you pretty much open to working from, from a girl that's maybe either never picked up a basketball before and teaching her from scratch, but also, you know, girls that are already playing SBL and maybe just sort of, you know, perfecting their game too? Yeah, definitely. Um, we have a, a camp and, you know, it's for domestic and beginner players, so 6 to 11-year-olds, and, you know, they're really just starting to enjoy the game and even learn the rules of the game, which is awesome um, for me to work with because it's crazy to think, you know, that I was that age and that skill level at one point, but I definitely don't want them to miss out on training opportunities as well. Um, but like you said, we definitely work with some of those kind of elite-level girls, like Mackenzie Clinch-Hoyt cards, a really big one, um, and Jada Clark are some of those kind of up-and-coming girls who are already getting SBL minutes that I have an opportunity to work with as well. So there's really no kind of like age or skill level. Um, it's really an opportunity for, for all girls here in WA. And how good is it for you to know that you haven't had to go out and find another job, but you're able to be making a difference in people's lives, but also you're able to spend your life now in basketball. It must be a, a nice feeling. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm so lucky. Um, I've always said I don't know what I'm going to do <laughs> for yeah. for a job, and I kind of had the opportunity to really create my own yeah. um, job and my own um, living, um, doing what I love to do, and obviously it ties really well in for me being able to play still in the league. So being able to spend you know, 30, 40 hours a week coaching or playing or training myself um, but also making a living has been, yeah, a dream come true really. Yeah, well, I've had a lot to do with Sean Reddidge, obviously, and – he, yeah. <laughs> he didn't want to have to get a real job when he retired from the Wildcats either, so he started up ready ready to basketball and he's yep. able to continue to work full-time in basketball and he's never had to find a real job. So there's no reason you can't be doing this for the 10, 20, 30 years. Who knows? Yeah, definitely. And, yeah, Sean's a big one um, that I've kind of have looked to um, with his programs. Um, I actually had an opportunity to coach for his program my mm -hmm. first year coming out, and he he's the same way. You know, he is – obviously was an incredible player um, for the Wildcats and, and in the league. And yeah, he's he's made a great living um, with his Redditch Basketball Academy and, you know, just being able to give opportunities to, to young kids that maybe aren't at that wobble level even yet. So just, yeah, seeing how many opportunities he's given to kids has been awesome for me to see as well from another player. Now that you've got this set up, does Perth feel like home? Do you feel like you're settled here for, I guess, at least the... the foreseeable future? Yeah, absolutely. Um, my plan when I first got out here was to play six months in the SBL and then go to Europe. And then, you know, I ended up meeting my partner and then ended up starting her hoops. And yeah, Perth is definitely home for sure. But I'm pretty lucky with where where home is to be. So so yeah, especially throughout COVID and all of this, I think I'm pretty lucky. WA is probably one of the best places in the world to be at. So Perth is definitely home. 
Uh, Michaela, I was just going to ask, where are you Where are you based and um, how do we find out about you? Can you just let us know about that? Yep. So all of our group sessions at Her Hoops are based in Rivervale. All of our programs are based at JSA Swim and Fitness Center. Um, so we run weekly programs for under 12 through under 16 girls there. And then we also have elite sessions for 18s and D-Leagues girls that run out of JSA as well. Um, is there any time restraints? Is it sort of uh, Monday to Friday or you do a lot of weekend type training and what about uh, start times and finish times I suppose it depends how how you're feeling and that type of stuff but you'd be pretty open to any any sort of time yeah so obviously with the girls being in school um, I'm pretty restricted with those hours so pretty much every morning Monday to Friday I do individual sessions probably from six to eight and then our group sessions are run in the evening so our her hoops group sessions um, for under 12 and under 14 girls are on Wednesdays and we start at 4:30 and go to six and then right after that we have an 18s and D league session from six to seven and then Saturdays we also run an under 14 and under 16 girls session so the only really day that I'm not working is a Sunday just because of wobble so that's kind of tough when the girls have their games to do some coaching but I also like to get out there and watch their games on a Sunday as well. Now you touched on being pretty lucky to be here if you're going to be anywhere in the world throughout COVID then Western Australia seems like not a bad place. How is your how is your family holding up back home? How how have they been affected by it? Yeah, so they're all right now. I think they're just a bit frustrated. Obviously, there's a lot of mandates for them. Um, what they can and can't do. They have to wear masks everywhere. So it's a bit strange, kind of facetiming with my family, and they're all wearing masks, and you know they're having to wear gloves when they're touching things and stuff like that. But um, luckily, everyone is healthy. But yeah, I think it's just more frustrating than anything um, that they really haven't been able to get COVID under control. Whereas here, um, my friends and family just can't believe, you know, the state that WA is in and, you know, it doesn't even really feel like we have COVID anymore. So, yeah, just to be in this little bubble here is is really great for us. But obviously, it's, it's tough back home for my family. Now, you started your, you had a really good high school career at, at East High School. Then you, you started at Wisconsin, your college career, where you've got a pretty strong family history, but then you moved on to North Dakota, and that's a really big school, and you had a great college career. Can you can you talk me through how that all, all played out? Yep. So my mom and my aunt both played at the University of Wisconsin, and they're both Hall of Famers. Mm. Um, so living in Madison, Wisconsin, which is where the university is located, that pretty much was my only option yeah. um, growing up. So I ended up committing there um, when I was in year eight, um, which is very, very early. Mm. Um, but looking back, um, I wouldn't have done anything differently. Um, that's kind of always where I wanted to go. Um, But then with college basketball, things change. My coach got fired. So then I decided to look elsewhere. Um, And then I also had another family connection at the University of North Dakota. Mm -hmm. So my cousin Troy Huff played there and he's two years older than me. And once I found out that the coach was interested there, it kind of seemed like a no brainer. I didn't realize how cold it was going to be up there and how close to Canada it was. So looking back, I probably would have went to Florida. But other than that, um, I'm really happy um, that I ended up there and playing with him. And that's also where I met Sam Roscoe. So if it wasn't for the University of North Dakota, I probably wouldn't be here here today because I wouldn't have met Sam. Probably not quite as cold as what Diana Black experienced in Siberia. Siberia, (laughs) (laughs) Now, to start your professional career, you ended up coming out here to play. You obviously spent a year at the Redbacks, then you spent last year at the Slammers. You pretty happy with the decision you made to to make this your, your first stop? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, I was trying to decide between here in England um, for my first kind of gig. And just based on climate alone, I decided mm-hmm. that Perth was was a place to be. And yeah, I couldn't have made a better decision. Um, like I said before, Perth is really home. I've made some great friends. I've met my partner. Um, I've been able to create a business here and still been able to play at a pretty high level. So I'm definitely happy to be in Perth. And I don't think at this point I would I would want to play anywhere else, really. You had two really good seasons, but I felt like potentially at the Redbacks you didn't get to play to your strengths. Maybe you're a bit better point guard than a than a two guard, and and I guess with the point guards that were there at the Redbacks, it yep. was a little bit tough to to get there. But it looked like you were really able to play the role that you're more comfortable with at the Slammers last year. Is that is that how you felt about it? Yeah, definitely. And I think my first year as well, it was really eye-opening. Yeah. Um, that was my first time being out of the country. So yeah. to go from America all the way across the world um, was a really big life change for me as well. Um, and I think my roles have just been different. Um, on Redbacks, obviously, we had a really strong team. You know, playing with Kayla and playing with Mickey, my role didn't need to be as big yeah. as it was. Um, but like you said, I really do like playing that one spot. And I think just as a three, I'm not as comfortable. But at the same time, you know, I was pretty happy with my role. And I think, you know, some injuries my first year also kind of played into it a little bit, kind of slowed me down. But I was really happy um, with my 2019 season, even though I felt like we missed out on finals. But yeah, I really enjoyed my time at Slammers and really felt like I kind of came into my own that year. Now, when you lose to a team in a semifinal series that are both such close games. Do you hold a grudge against that team, including <laughs> their coach, for a long time? Um, yeah, I think so. <laughs> uh, no, I mean we really, you know, all credit to Mandra. Um, they're always a tough, tough team to play against, and obviously really well coached. But yeah, it, I think we really shot ourselves in the foot both of those games. I'm sure that Randy probably wouldn't agree with that. But uh, yeah, I think our, especially our game in Mandra was really tough because obviously we missed Kayla for a long portion of that game. Um, but yeah, Mandra's just a tough team to play, but I think I've kind of let go of the grudge now. I think I, I'm pretty cool, but um, yeah, it definitely was definitely a soft spot there for the first year after that. <laughs> to be honest, given what happened a week later, I'm not sure if <laughs> if Randy would even want to win that series in hindsight. Um, yeah, that that series was uh, played in the right spirit, and it's just could have gone either way. It's uh, it's good that we're actually talking about me winning, winning something <laughs> for a change. But um, with Michaela, I think um, was really looking forward to the backcourt with Stacey. I think they would have complemented complemented each other really well. And her at the point guard and Stacey Barr mm. as a shooting guard, you know what I mean? I think... Well, can you uh, imagine Stacey just being able to wait for the passes to come away? Exactly, and that's that's what I'm saying. And also, you know, I think Michaela would have been freed up a little bit just yeah. with the defensive roles sort of going, you know, maybe to Stacey back and forwards yeah. and not having the main defender sit on her. So let's hope that it still does happen. But, well, uh, let's find out. What are your plans? Do you know what you're... Have you committed to the Senators or are you open to other offers? Uh, at the moment, I'm open to anything. Um, I haven't really had that many discussions just with West Coast yeah. Classic kind of ending um, just recently. Yeah. Um, but yeah, at the moment, I'm not too sure um, what's going to happen for 2021, but I'll definitely be here um, for the SBL or, you know, whatever NBL one um, West season it's going to be. So yeah, looking forward to having those conversations in the near future. Well, if you hear that, Randy, how many clubs do you think put in an offer straight away now for 
for Mac for next year? Oh, I think you'd be silly not to talk to her. I mm. mean, you know, that's sometimes a lot of clubs think, oh, you know, we're not going to be able to, you know, get her for yep. whatever reason. But, you know, just to have a conversation to see what they want to do, you know, mm. there's there's no harm in that. So if I was a coach in the, the WSBL, I'd be making a phone call. It's one thing to get a good play, but when you know you're getting a good citizen too and somebody that's trying to make a big impact in the whole basketball community, does that make it even more attractive to sign a player like like her? I think so, and that's what coaches need to do. You know, they need to make sure they get the balance right and get the right person. That's one thing that I, you know, I tried to do myself. It's not easy. Mm. A lot of the time it's just word of mouth. But, Mm. uh, you know, you've seen what Michaela's doing off Mm. the court and what she's done on the court. So she's a positive role model Mm. for for women in women's basketball. So, you know, you're getting a, a great package. Now, you don't have to tell me who, Mac, but <laughs> when you were watching teams play in this West Coast Classic, did you see one, two, or a number of clubs that you thought, gee, I might not mind playing for them next year? Yeah, definitely. I think um, being able to watch the season this year also gave me a good opportunity to kind of see what's out there. Mm. Um, not necessarily making any decisions on anything, but at the same time, um, I think some teams had some really strong, you know, hit outs and especially without any imports in the league, kind of seeing maybe where they need to fill some some gaps in their guard positions maybe was also really um, good for me to see. Now, just finally, are you right now you can't leave, so it's not really a choice, but as soon as the borders open up, would you be trying to get back home between now and the start of next season? Or Yeah, I'm actually supposed to be home right now, mm-hmm. um, actually in Jamaica to be more specific. Mm-hmm. Um, my friend's getting married. Well, she was going to get married. So I would love to go back home, but I think realistically, um, just between what's going on with COVID um, and my business as well, I think it will probably be probably next Christmas that I'll be able to wow. get home. Yeah, because um, normally I try and go home every December, but I think just speaking with my family at this point, it's not really um, what's best for their safety or my safety at this point so unfortunately um, I won't be able to go there but also it's going to be my first um, warm Christmas which is going to be so weird Um, but I'm really excited to go to the beach on Christmas day so that's a that's a positive note for that one have you had snow on Christmas every year up until now? Yes, in your life? every year. Wow. Yep, every single year. So it's going to be really weird being able to wear shorts and bathers and all that. So it, it really doesn't seem like that's what Christmas is. Um, but, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's funny. Are you the opposite of me? I always look at a white Christmas and, and desperately want to experience that. Are you the opposite and, yes. and, and want to experience a hot summer? A hot yeah, Christmas? yeah. as much as I, I'm going to miss it, I'm definitely excited to not be freezing <laughs> um, and to be able to go to the beach and all that. So, yeah, I'm definitely the opposite. I think growing up in the snow all the time and going to school in the snow all the time and, you know, having to leave training and be freezing cold and have icicles coming off from your nose and all that, I think um, I'm really looking forward to not having to deal with it on Christmas Day. No, I, I could imagine. I could imagine. So, no, that, that all sounds good, Randy. Um, it's almost time to wrap up for the for the year, which is scary to think. We've put so much effort into it for the last eighteen weeks. We've had some incredible guests, some great sponsors, and it's all come down to a, to, the, to a finish. Yeah, thanks for coming in, Michaela. It was really nice to talk to you, and um, you know the guests that we've had um, throughout the year. Are, Who's who of well, um, WSBL? <laughs> let me run through this list and and tell me what springs to mind. It started with Dion D'Agostino, and then we've also had Darcy Garvin, Ryan Patrick, Craig Mansfield, Melissa Marsh, Tully Bevilacqua, Amber Land, Rachel Helene, Tanya Fisher, Jody Sonte, Desiree Kelly, Vince Kelly, Doc Earl, Keegan Crawford, Craig Allen, 
Deanna Black, Jesse Edwards, Stacey Barr, Ash Eisenbarger, Casey Mihovilovic. That sounded all right. Ali Schwagmeyer, Belgian, and of course now Sammy Wickham and Michaela Dyer. That's an impressive list when you reel them off. Yeah, it was so good to talk to all of them and listen to their different stories. They all come from different backgrounds, you know, and, uh, you know, I suppose having Des and Vince in the studio was a real highlight for. You know, it was for me because he was sort of my idol and, yeah. you know, a great player and, and could catching up with Des too. She was really, really lovely lady. And, you know, speaking to my old teammate, Doc L, mm-hmm. was, was good. But um, all of the interviews were insightful and, you know, I think people really enjoyed the enjoyed listening to the people. I think you've listened to a few shows, Mac. Was there any one interview in particular that really stood out to you? Um, I think one of the more recent ones you did actually was the Milo interview. I actually don't know her at all. Yeah. Um, I just have experience playing against her, and she's you know at that guard spot we normally match up against each other, and she's really tough. Um, and obviously Randy knows this really well, um, but it sounds like that she's a great person as well. And obviously being down there in Mandra and having the court and all that, she's really um, I'm sure she's really an idol down there for lots yeah. of. So lots of young girls, so being able to hear her story um, was really awesome, yeah. actually, yeah. No, fantastic. And, of course, we, couldn't have, we wouldn't be here without the support of Wandering Distillery, Bassett Scarf Realty, and, more recently, Who Hoops Are You, Randy? Yeah, great to have those three people on board to prop us up and give us the opportunity to do what what we're doing and, um, you know, bring the WSBL into the limelight, I suppose, or um, have it out there, which is just for women's basketball. You know, so often they get uh, pushed aside for the men's exactly. side of it. Yep. So I think this has been a real, a real positive. That's exactly why I wanted to do a, a show all about women's basketball because for whatever reason, if you did a combined show, the men just seem to... To take over, so I wanted to make sure this was all about women's basketball, and I think from based on the feedback we've received, it's it's been very popular. So really enjoyed this final show as well. Obviously, the West Coast Classic was a lot of fun, and well done to the Junior Love Wolves for taking out the championship. Um, well done as well to Stacey Bar for winning winning our Bassett Scarf Realty Player of the Year award, and a big thank you to Sammy Wickham for joining us on this final show, and Michaela Dyer for joining us for a whole show. I know it's we're not the easiest pair to put up with, so <laughs> thanks very much for coming in and, and sticking with us. Yeah, no, I, it has been awesome. Um, thank you guys so much for having me. Um, I'm really looking forward to see um, how it grows next year, and, yeah, hopefully I can come back um, on board again next year. Absolutely. More than welcome. Now, I'm going to sign off for the year, Randy. I'm Chris Pike, and for the very last time, the last famous words from Randy Meagle, the two-time coach of the year. Yeah, I just want to thank you, Chris, for giving me the opportunity. Like, um, you know, it's uh, I'm not a professional. I haven't done anything like this before, so I take this seriously as mm-hmm. much as, um, you know, I like to joke around a little bit. I, I do respect the show and I respect the people that have been on it mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, and hopefully what I'm talking about, people take on board or, you know, appreciate what I'm trying to say from a different angle. Yeah, let's see whether we continue next season. I'd like to continue if, mm-hmm. if it's possible possible and in whatever way we decide to to do it so um yeah thanks for the opportunity